My friend Brad Lemon likes to delve into Bend history. He provided valuable information for my YouTube presentation on the unions in the Bend sawmills from 1916 to 2002. Brad moved to Bend from Virginia in 2007 after 26 years as an electrical engineer. He's got a Master's of Arts in Elementary Teaching from OSU Cascades. I met him through the Human Dignity Coalition. Last summer, Brad told me the story of Daryl Hawes, who graduated from Bend Senior High School in 1946 and returned to his alma mater 11 years later to teach and coach the junior varsity basketball team. During his four years of teaching at Bend High, Haas's progressive political beliefs aroused the ire of some powerful conservatives in the community, and despite the support of almost half of the Bend High student body at that time, he was pretty much driven out of the classroom and out of town in 1961. So let's find out what Brad Lemon learned about what a bulletin editorial called The Saga of Daryl Hawes. Brad Lemon, welcome to the Radical Songbook Podcast. Glad to be here. Thanks for joining me today. So um, can you tell us a bit about Daryl Hawes' life growing up in Bend? I believe he was born in Bend in October of 1928, and his parents were Robert and Bertie Hawes. I think they were from, one of them was from North Dakota and one from, I think, Minnesota. And I think they moved from North Dakota to Bend um, slightly before um, Daryl was born, so 27, 28, something like that. Just like a lot of the people, I think, that came here for to work in the mills in, in those years. Um, and that's what his father did. So his father, yeah, worked in the mills. I, I found him in some census records. So he worked in the mills, but then he did become a, I think a janitor in some of the um, local schools. I think the Kenwood School and the Allen School. And I think his mom worked at the Pine Tavern restaurant kind of her whole life, from what I understand. Daryl Haas went to Bend High. He did. He graduated in 1946. And he was a basketball star. Yeah, and the, some old articles um, make it sound like he was the best player in the history of Bend High School up till 1946. So someone told me, um, you know, an old local told me his younger brother, I think he was about five years younger, I think his name was Bob, turned out to be an even better player than, than Daryl had been up to that point. And another interesting thing is somebody told me Daryl had lost an eye as a child, so he was the, you know, a great basketball player missing an eye. So he graduated from high school in 1946, and uh, his first year of teaching at Bend High was in 1957. Um, what did he do in between? Do you recall? So I, I think he went to Willamette University as a freshman. Um, I found that on a his night his World War II era registration card. Even though the war was over, you know, right when he graduated, he still had to register for the draft or something. So as a freshman, he went to Willamette, but then I um, I believe he went to the University of Oregon after that, um, and then he um, taught history and coached basketball at in Monument, Oregon and in Silitz, Oregon. I found old newspaper articles about that and then I guess 
I mean, I don't know if it was his goal always to try to make it back here to teach, but he eventually made it back here in fall of 57. So, you know, I, I guess he was off teaching other places for five years or so. And so he comes back to Bend High in 1957, 11 years after he graduated, probably still well known for his basketball prowess, if nothing else. Sure. A very small community at that time, one high school, where I'm sure that, um, like a lot of small communities, the high school sports were followed by people in the community that went beyond the student body. Um, so what did he teach? He taught history. He taught biology. And kind of the the big you know, issue at hand here is a class called American Problems. And it was definitely set up to be sort of an experimental, um, critical thinking class. I, I don't think it was required, you know, to graduate. Um, and it was really supposed to kind of be a, you know, a kind of a college prep type of class. So he taught that, I think, three years out of the four that he was here. And he coached the junior varsity uh, basketball team. Yeah, also correct. Yes, yeah, so I've, I've seen articles about that. One bulletin article that you uncovered uh, that I read from May 6, 1961, says that he was put on probation by high school principal Bill Edwards as early as 1959. Do you have a sense of what that was about? So, yeah, I think that was... I believe, you know, his second year of teaching here, his first year of teaching that American Problems class. And I, you know, I, I think very quickly um, he, you know, got on conservative people in town's radar screen. Um, you know, part part of the issue is he was a bit, just a very liberal, liberal politically, liberal, liberal socially, and he and didn't keep those views secret in his class. I mean, all the, all the students knew about it and you know therefore the townspeople knew about it and i think very early on school officials talked about it a couple times in school board meetings you know that very first year so it was being discussed he was sort of put on probation and and got and talked to about his methods um kind of right away and then it was just simmering for a few years so you, you've actually had opportunity to talk to older folks here in the community who were students of his. And so what would, but what was the student response to his classes back then that you, that you heard about? See, I've, I've talked personally to two people that had him as a teacher. And then, you know, one of those people definitely, you know, was very close to two people um, and, and related some of those other two people's views to me. I mean, none of these people, you know, I, I didn't say any of these people, you know, you're, I'm going to put your name on the record or anything like that. So, but anyway, um, you know, all, all of, all four of those firsthand accounts, you know, loved the class. And I, I think, you know, it was, it was pretty clear that, you know, he went out of his way to get everybody engaged, tried to get, get everybody talking. It was not just a, I'm going to stand up there and, and lecture you. I mean, it was, you know, getting getting everybody involved, asking questions, um, class dialogue. And, in, and, I, and it sure seemed like, you know, when you're in high school, just if anything's interesting is better than classes that aren't interesting, right? So I, I think everybody, 
you know, maybe even if you disagreed with his political views, I think there was still probably people that thought the class was useful and interesting. And there, and there were, you know, some students wrote letters to the editor that actually said, you know, we don't agree with everything he says. If we disagree with him, we argue about it. And that's what happens in his class. And that's why we like it. And I'm sure there were some students who strenuously objected, though, though as you said, it was, a, it was probably not a required class. So I suppose if you really objected to what he was doing, you just wouldn't be there. But I imagine there, there had to have been some students who went home and told their parents that um, here was a guy who was doing things like bringing um, the newspaper, The Worker, into his class, which was the Communist Party right. <laughs> newspaper at that time. And keeping in mind in 1957 to 61, this is the Cold War is still hot in this country. Yeah. And yeah, so I'm sure, you know, plenty of parents objected to anybody discussing anything about socialism or communism, even if you were put it in a bad light to a certain extent. I mean, I mean, we, we have these issues now of what, what do you ever even say in a classroom? You know, like some people are scared that if you even mention a, a bad idea that that plants some kind of seed that you don't want your kids to know about. So clearly, you know, as, as you read the articles, clearly this stuff ended up seeping up through the students to the parents you know, to businessmen and um, and others, and and pretty quickly, townspeople were putting pressure on the school board and the principal um, to to do something about about this class. Yeah, there are there are parallels to today uh, compared to then, and we'll get back we'll get to that uh, later on in our conversation. But he, I'm sure that he didn't help his cause when he was quoted in the bulletin in a bulletin article saying that he was a democratic socialist in 1961. That was a pretty rare term to use from what I have read over time. And that, that he said, quote, capitalism has not lived up to its responsibilities, unquote. And he also said that the U.S. was pushing Cuban leader Fidel Castro towards communism. Uh, the Red Scare, as I said, was still very much an issue, uh, even in big cities. And I'm sure this really um, freaked out a lot of people in town to read that in their daily newspaper, the headline. Right. The democratic socialism is in the, the, the headline of the article. Yeah, and that, I mean, that had to be... And, and, he, and he had to know what he was doing by doing that. And, and, and I guess one of the other things that kind of plays out in this whole thing is, um, you know, Robert Chandler, who was the owner editor of the Ben Bulletin at the time I think two years before Daryl got dismissed um, Chandler said he went into the classroom multiple times just to observe and you know two years you know prior to Daryl getting dismissed he um, said I think you know he's a great teacher he just deserves to mature hone his teaching ability a little bit you know not put his personal views out there but still teach this stuff interesting enough to me it Daryl at some point said the principal never ever sat in his classroom at all so the principal was making all of his judgments just on hearsay at least Chandler 
went into the classroom to see it all firsthand to make up his mind about what was going on. Yeah, it's, of course we of course we don't know uh, what the conversations may have been between Chandler and the, and the principal Edwards. It's it's. I mean, I can't imagine today that the editor of the bulletin would start sitting in on classes in high school. But maybe I, I don't know, you know. But but I just can't imagine that that would have. That's kind of sounds. That that sounds relatively a, extreme, really, uh, for the community in you know at large. Yeah, it is pretty surprising when I read that. Yeah. So, um, so obviously, Haas's views became more and more known, and he was ultimately. Uh, more severely challenged. Can you talk a bit about, uh, kind of walk us through what happened over time? So, yeah, I mean, he was, you know, put on this probation. The principal said, you have to keep your personal views out of class. Um, You know, that was in his, you know, first year of teaching. I think that got stated and he taught, I believe he taught this class for three years. So I guess that kind of gets us up to the, the 1960-61 school year, it all started, you know, percolating again. I think it was January of 61. There was more, you know, school board hearings on it. Um, And then kind of in, I think in May, um, I think they told him, you know, we're going to like reassign you to other classes. There's going to be this big hearing. And then when he heard that from the principal, he started, you know, getting he or the students started getting petitions of support. Some, you know, local people started trying to support Daryl. So then it kind of turned into this big you're either in Daryl's camp or you're not for this big hearing that was at um, Ben Junior High School, I think in May of 1961. Yeah, May 1961, for according to the records that you gave, 200 people. Right. So um, in, in a in a town of about 12,000, that's not a small number of people. And I, I think it was almost all one of the people who had him at the time said almost every student that he that he had as a current student then showed up in support of him. And at, at the public hearing, they kind of, you know, had it all timed out. You know, they were going to give equal time to Daryl and equal time to the anti Daryl camp. And they you know, made you sign up and say which side you were going to be on, and they, you know, made it all 50-50. I think Daryl himself did not speak. The principal did not even attend the hearing, which I I thought was strange. Um, And a a local attorney named Gottlieb Bear was sort of the the leader of the pro-Daryl camp, so he, you know, marshaled everybody to, to speak and 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 Gottlieb Bear, if I could just interject, was came from a, 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 a family that had been here in Bend for quite some time. His father um, had been a county commissioner, uh, and maybe was at that time. I don't know exactly when he was county commissioner. The, among the folks that were opposed to him were uh, the Reverend from the Episcopal Church, the Reverend from the Presbyterian Church. Um, and you indicated that uh, this to me is really impressive uh, when, when you think about it. There were about 600 students at Bend High and 254 of them signed the petition in support of him. Clearly, not all of those students were in, in his class. Right. I wonder how many basketball players signed the petition, too. Right. It's just that's a lot. That's a huge percentage. Yeah. I mean, you figure 
some of the students probably didn't even have an opinion. So getting that percentage to say to support somebody, I, I think is a pretty overwhelming show of support. Um, you know, I, I think you know there were some other newspaper articles that kind of said. There was quite a few bend businessmen, you know, that were just behind the scenes pulling strings, but didn't actually publicly testify. And, you know, they were just putting pressure on the school board, not publicly. Um, so, so that was also going on. And then, and there were, I did read that there were bend high teachers on either side and there were like COCC college professors on either side that testified. So, you know, there, there was still, still obviously was, you know, a lot of a political divide going on on just the whole philosophy of what you should and shouldn't teach in a public high school. Yeah. Yeah. One of the business people who was um, prominent in opposition to him was a guy named Bill Niskanen, who went on to actually be a big player in the Cato Institute, which is a very conservative libertarian organization that's still prominent today. So um, after the hearing, the school board um, unanimously voted to support the principal uh, and the superintendent's Jules position, and he was reassigned. Can you tell us more about what happened then? So, yeah, they, they told him, you know, they didn't fire him. They just said, you can't teach this class anymore. You're going to have to t go back to teaching, you know, biology, history, physical education. And so I think about a month after that, he just turned in his resignation and, and you know, left Bend school system. A couple years later, he was um, teaching high school in Astoria. So I think he was teaching history and coaching basketball up there. I kind of lost the trail after that. I think he eventually, I think he died in the year 2000. Um, but I, yeah, I don't exactly know what happened really from you know the late 60s up till then. So this was just like a huge brouhaha here in Bend, obviously, that... that that just spilled out all over the community. Um, so what do we make of that today? Um, do you think that a, a, a teacher today would... Uh, it was, say there was a teacher today who said that declared themselves to be a democratic socialist or a communist or whatever. Um, that would probably be today just as... Um, uh, problematic for them as it was in 1961 in many respects. Yeah, I think, I mean, my my sense of it is people keep their politics quiet um, just because, you know, it is, it is so polarized. I mean, it, it's always interesting to try to, you think, oh, we're the most polarized we've ever been. So, I mean, it's hard to put yourself back in, 1961 and say you know was bent really like in these two camps and as much as it is now or something so it, it's always interesting to go back and look at that history i mean the, the thing that you know still comes out in this whole part of the whole issue is really like can't you can have whatever politics you want but should you bring them into class or not you know should you stand in front of your class and say I'm this, this, and this, or do you just talk about socialists and capitalists without letting your students know your personal views on it? And 
you know, clearly the side that, you know, wanted him out argued for, well, if he would have just not brought his personal views into this, we would have been fine with it, which is, who knows? I mean, they might not have... That may be true or maybe not. Yeah, they might, you know, that (laughs) it might have just been a convenient thing to get rid of him, right? So, but if he, if he kept his personal views out, you sort of feel like, yeah, they would have found some other way to, to get rid of him. And, and one of the, one of the other things the principal said, I think, um, in an article was just that the attendance in the, in the class was waning as the years went by. And I haven't been able to actually find any evidence on that. Like, well, how, how much did it go down? You know, did it go down drastically? You know, why was it going down? Did the children children not want to sign up? Or was it the parents putting pressure on their 17-year-olds that I'm, gonna, I'm not going to let you sign up for this class? So there's still... I, I am going to... It's kind of on my things to do to see if I can go back and actually f- dig up any old records that would actually show how many students were in this class in the three years that he had it. Yeah, um, but I mean, you know, bringing it up to the present, I mean, you know, we, we're right now, Governor Ron DeSantis doing in Florida around race, around around gender, uh, around GLBTQ issues, just all just really clamping down on teachers, going well beyond what their opinions are, but basically just saying you can't even talk about this stuff. The, the AP African American Studies just. They just decided they're going to yank Ibram Kendi and Ta-Nehisi Coates and Bell Hooks out of the curriculum. So, you, you, yeah, I mean, in, in history, I mean, history is a tough one, right? Because it's one thing to say, well, well all we're talking about, if you, all you do is talk about facts, then history is not really that interesting or worth studying, right? So you very quickly get into what's opinions, you know, and but it, it just seems... You know, I, I, you know, I, I personally don't agree with them taking those three writers out of the AP curriculum in a in a course. Um, yeah, it makes so. no sense to me either. One of the one of the former students that you told me you talked with said something to the effect to you that he had been an uh, an Eisenhower Republican that the and that Daryl Haas's class moved him in a different direction, which I suppose is kind of kind of what a lot of parents are afraid of. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, he, he definitely said, you know, this was the most important class I ever took in my life, and he, he definitely changed his political views as a, as a result of it. So some people would say it's a two-edged sword of, like, do we really want critical thinking skills taught to our to our high school students, you know, wh- where's the line between critical thinking and brainwashing, right? I mean, that's a, a constant debate. Um, and, you know, it, it'd be it'd be also really fascinating to go back and if we could somehow track down all of the students, right, and say, well, how many of you changed from liberal to conservative? How many changed from conservative to liberal? How many of you didn't change at all, but just learned to think better, you know? Yeah. Um, so it is it is kind of fascinating, but you know, there was definitely this one example of, you know, I, I love this class and this guy taught me how to think and that's <laughs> kind of what you want to be doing. As a, yeah, it's a good a school thing. system. So Um Well, Brad Lemon, thanks for joining me. Is there anything more that you want to add that we haven't talked about uh about the saga of Daryl Haas? 
I think that's it. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining me here on the Radical Songbook.